Good morning, everyone. I'm Mary Griffith. This show brought to you each and every weekday morning by Refreshment Services, Pepsi Harvest Ridge Coffee. I tell you what, if you want delicious dark roasted coffee, they've got it. Mild roast, they've got it. I'm drinking my black this morning. I can't stand coffee without creamer, but I had to do it this morning because I ran out of creamer. And guess what? I'm liking it just fine. Harvest Ridge is your great coffee. Well, today we have a pre-recorded episode of the Mary Griffith Show. We meet a survivor of attempted suicide, Army veteran Vernon E. Davis II. Vernon Davis shares his struggle after service to his country ended and the dark days which almost cost him his life. But he leaves us with a message of hope in times of depression. Just grab the knot in the rope and hold on. Here now, a pre-recorded conversation with Army veteran Vernon E. Davis II. Vernon E. Davis II is here. We're going to be talking about suicide awareness and prevention among veterans. So uh, really some things that are going on that we're trying to highlight. But let's meet our guest today, Vernon Davis II. You are a veteran. You're yes, a survivor. And uh, you make your living making other people laugh, and you're a great philanthropist. Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Uh, I'm only in town for about another hour. At least that's, uh, I figure I have enough time to get away from Quincy Police. Um, <laughs> but I am I'm honored and pleasure. Thank you for having us on your show this morning. Many do know me in town here in Quincy, in the Quincy area, as Longhorn the Comedian. I've been here a number of times making people laugh. I've made some great friends. Matter of fact, I have a family here that uh that refers to me as son and daughter i mean it refers to not daughter it's not that kind of relationship but they do refer to me as son the, are you uh, ready to make a big announcement today oh, not today <laughs> no, no, no i only use one bathroom thank you uh, but the uh old rich uh mom i call them uh the old rich family i call them mom and dad and then dave is uh, my brother so big shout out to the family if you guys are listening because I didn't know which radio st- I knew what radio station I was going to be on, but I've been busy with Veterans Day stuff. So I was going to say, this I, is a big time. Plus, you have the biggest cowboy hat I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, Hawk Cartwright would be proud of that hat. A man in black. Why don't you wear a black hat, Vernon? Why not a white hat? Well, I'm, I wear my black hat because I'm what you would call, I'm the gentleman outlaw of comedy. Ah, okay. But at the same time, I wear white during the... Uh, uh, during the appropriate times because uh, my brain fries real easy. So <laughs> Okay. Well, one thing I do want to share with you, because you don't know me and I don't know you, but yes. we're getting to know each other with our WTAD audience. So I'll share with you what many in my listening audience know is that I suffer from depression. I've been under treatment for depression now for almost, 30, well, 30 years, a little bit more than that. And I keep it under control with medication. But I have seen some dark days 30 years ago in my life as well. And one thing that I find, a lot of people who suffer with uh, mental illnesses, depressions, uh, thoughts of suicide, etc., they often have a pretty good sense of humor. In fact, a lot of comedians have that dark black hat side to themselves, shall we say. And that's the same for you, Longhorn the Comedian. There was a time when your life wasn't so comedic after all, was it? No, it wasn't. And I tell people that is my, that's how I handle my PTSD is through comedy. I became a comedian because I had to look at life through a different lens. And yes, I'm one of those people who have suffered through depression and anxieties and the not being certain of whether or not I needed to even consider continue to be a part of the living. And it took another veteran. Another veteran actually saved my life. 
But before I get into that, one thing I want to say to anybody that's listening, it looks really bleak. It may look bleak today, but just hold on because tomorrow changes things. And sometimes we just got to get through to tomorrow. And that was something that I learned from that veteran that helped change my life. I had already planned my demise. I had I had planned it. I had to tape the place, the time. And we, my wife and I, my first wife and I had took in a, a couple that needed, I mean, he had just got out of the Army. He didn't have anywhere to go. He, there was wife and three kids, and they needed somewhere to go. So we opened our home to them. And that was on the Thursday. I had planned to take my life that Saturday. And for some odd reason, when that young man moved in, he would not let me out of his sight. And he just, oh, man, this is great. You're great. This is great. Your kids are great. You got a great wife, blah, 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 blah. But he would not let me out of his sight. And the time for me to depart this world came and went. And I watched the sunset on that bench in that park in Topeka, Kansas. And every now and then I, when I go through Topeka, I go back to that bench just to, and it's still there. Sitting beside this little pond that people just walk around. But that was going to be it. But if it wouldn't have been for him, he just would not let me. And to this day, he does not, unless he read my book, he does not know. He kept me here. And it's not, and, and not, I was being selfish. Beautiful kids. I had a beautiful wife. I was struggling when I got out the military because when I got out the military 30 years, 30 plus years ago, it was, hey, give us your, give us your uniforms, your equipment. Uh, here's your last paycheck. Here's a bus ticket if you're going anywhere, or we'll just see you later if you're driving. And if we owe you any money, we'll send it to you. There were programs out there, but we weren't, I wasn't privy to those programs. I didn't know about those pro. I knew about the VA if I got sick. But things have changed for our veterans. And that word, if I got sick, because you're thinking, you know, did my leg start to hurt? Did I have some, uh, you know, did I have some shrapnel wound or something that was left right. over? But when mental sickness starts to set in, we don't think about you don't that. think about it and you don't necessarily know where to go for help. And this is a recurring theme as we have Richard Elson Peter and Tri-State Veterans on every month. This is a recurring theme that, yeah, we have a VA, and yeah, we have veteran support groups, and yeah, we have resource fairs, and yeah, we have all this, but it's got to be veterans reaching out to veterans yes. to take them to these places and hook them up in these places and really to kind of have that inner sense, something's going wrong with Vernon. Yeah, I'm in his house. I need him. He's saving my life. He didn't know that he was saving your life, but there was something he could probably tell that was just not quite right because you had made the exit plan already. Yes, and I'm a man, I'm a man of faith, and I've said to anybody, it was God's intervention. He wasn't ready for me to go. And, yes, we do need veterans helping veterans. A lot of us veterans won't, go, won't seek the mental help that we need because of the stigma behind it. And even to this day, as much as we talk about it and, oh, it's okay, it's all right not to be okay, go get some help, there's people here to help you, veterans rarely, it's hard for us to ask for help. Why? Because a lot of us were not taught that growing up. You know, versus the generations now, the generations now versus what I grew up or Richard grew up, uh, yeah, Richard and I just a few years apart, you know, 
Uh, I believe Richard used to load muskets when he was in the army, but that's a whole nother story. Um, he had a mule that he carried but, but he walked yeah. next to the mule as yeah. he loaded muskets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but my, <laughs> he's gonna beat me up for that. But the generational, the generations are different. My generation, you just didn't ask. You didn't Where tell. Where did you serve? If, okay, so I started off at started off at Fort Dix, New Jersey, uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, Fort Gordon, Georgia. Fort Carson, Colorado, um, and a bunch of TDYs. I was a combat medic that uh, later got in what's called NBC, nuclear biological chemical. So I did quite a bit of traveling with the military. But a combat medic, wow, you are trauma, I mean, personified. I mean, did you have any medical training? Because they're always joking. I was watching Band of Brothers over the weekend, and the guy that was the medic is like, what? Well, they just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You're the medic for the crew. He had no, you know, no real training. <laughs> did you have some kind of medical knowledge, or did they just say, "Hey, Vernon, guess what? You get to be the medic." Well, when I joined the army, I was going to be a Russian linguist. I had scored well enough to be a Russian, I mean, to pretty much do anything I wanted to. Wow! And I wanted to be a Russian linguist, and that was my goal. And I got to the MEP station, and they go, "Hey, Davis, you know, great scores and this, that, and the other. I understand you want to be a Russian linguist, but you do realize you're going to go to college at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. You're going to be stuck there for two years learning Russian, and you're going to take the other two years of your enlistment. You're going to stick you in a radio tower in Siberia where you're listening to Russian messages come in and out, and that's going to be your military career. How do you like that? I'm like, uh, excuse me? He says, but i got a better option for you. You know, your country really needs medics. And I'm going, I'm afraid of blood. He goes, you'll get over it. But your country really needs medics. He said, aren't you a military brat? Yeah. He said, well, you know what? you got to do it for your people. And I became a combat medic. And I did get over my fear of blood. I mean, it's quicker than I really wanted to. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing how fear will leave you. And as we say in the military, remember your training. And I'm going to use that to segue into, again, pushing that message to our military people, family and friends, remember your training. When you need help, the training taught you to ask for that help. You know, that is the part, and I'm obviously a non-military person. I, my dad served, you know, all my uncles served, but I mean, I'm... I'm You're queen of the universe. I'm queen of the universe, but I'm far removed from any kind of service like that to our country. But it does seem strange because the one thing you're taught in the military is that you're a unit, you're a cohesive unit, and all of you must function as a cohesive unit. It's not one person. Uh, I think we saw that with the Chicago Bears yesterday. Fields can be as great as he wants, but you got nobody behind him. It's not going to happen for the Chicago Bears. So here you come out of a time when people are depending on you, Vernon Davis. You're helping them the best they can and getting them the the quick medical treatment they need, patching them up to get them onto a another place where they can get more advanced care. You have no trouble asking for help. You have no trouble giving help. And then suddenly they say goodbye to you. You know, here's your severance pay and good luck. Why is it so hard then to ask for help? Because do you just feel like you're not part of the unit anymore? You're not. Well, while you're in the military, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So then, yes, as a cohesive unit, we all work hard to make sure our weakest link is strong. But once we do depart from the military, once we do separate from the military, we don't have that first sergeant, that platoon sergeant, that squad leader to reach out to. We don't have the guy 
uh, our our battle buddy uh, to reach out to. We are now a unit of one. And even though I was married, my wife could not understand what I've seen, where I've been, what I've been through. And in the community that I come from, it's really easy to say, you know what? It's just, you know, you'll get over it. You'll get past it. Just shake it off. Uh, be a man about it. Don't cry. Don't, Don't cry. show weakness. And Yeah, none of that. But see, I had an uncle, my uncle Johnny Bass, Staff Sergeant Johnny Bass, God rest his soul, Vietnam vet. I remember watching him have the nightmares when he came home from Vietnam. And he developed uh, insomnia and emphysema, got a job as a VA. One day they found him sleeping in a closet because it just, it was so consuming of him. And those memories, and matter of fact, we just buried my Uncle Melvin. He was a Vietnam veteran, Army veteran. My Uncle Snookum, Vietnam veteran. You know, my dad, Vietnam veteran. But I've watched these men go through what they went through, whether it was um, drinking, alcohol, smoking, whatever it was. But they dealt with those demons the best way that they knew how. So then, therefore... I took my lead from them because these were the men who I looked up to. And many of our veterans do the same. And we are being, we're being educated by the uneducated. If I, if I may, if I may. So you're getting your mental health counseling from someone that has no mental health degree, but just understands what I could never do if I had a PhD and all these letters behind it, what you have been through. Why? Oh. Okay, we won't want to go back and say, why did this happen? Let's move forward now. Sure. We have people that are volunteering. It's an all-volunteer military. Yes. Every day, somebody is being released from military duty, man, woman. Some of them are still very young. They maybe only served one enlistment. Others are maybe 40, 45, 50. They're being released. Are we doing a better job? And Richard Elson, Peter, pop in if you have something to add to this. Are we doing a better job now of not saying, here's your last paycheck, there's your uniform. Give me your boots. Get out of here. Thank you for your service. You know, whatever. Are we doing a better job of saying, hey, we're still here for you? Well, the veterans that I mean, and Rich, you know, as I say, pop in any time here, but the veterans that I get a chance to visit with, yes, they are. They're getting, they're getting prepared to, enter, to re-enter the workforce, to re-enter civilian life. Hey, here's your resource here. This is a resource. Let us talk to you. You know, we're doing counseling before you get out the military. I mean, don't get me wrong. They, they walk up with a Thanksgiving basket and go, we got all this for you. Now, the trick is to get people to eat from the basket. Because some will say, oh, I got this. I'm good. Well, you don't know that you don't have it right that day. But you don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know. I mean, I know from my experience with depression, I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, yesterday I was perfectly fine and today I'm depressed. No, it comes on you. I'm sure, Vernon, you had a period where, well, it finally got to so bad that you actually planned your own suicide. Thank God God had a better plan for you. Amen. Um, you know, that didn't just happen overnight. <coughs> that, that, that was a sinking. And it seemed like no matter how much your wife and your children, which people would say, well, that should be enough. But it's very difficult to understand, for people to understand. It's hard for me to even explain. It is hard to understand. And even to this day, I just celebrated a birthday this, this, this month, you know, a couple, just the last week, actually. And honestly, 
the family and everything means means the most. But sometimes when you can't see past today, you know, sometimes you can't see past today. And sometimes, and I, I figured, hey, you know what? They're young. My wife's young. She's beautiful. She'll marry again. My kids will go on without me. I just need this to stop now. Like you said, I mean, it is obviously the ultimate selfish act, anybody who kills themselves, but they're also not in their right mind. Well, uh, you know, I mean, it. you cannot, you have to have compassion and you have to say, wow, I survived this. It could have gone the other way for me. So you can really talk to people who have been there, just like I can talk to people who have really been close. Yeah. Um, because you understand what other people cannot possibly understand, no matter how much book learning they have, no matter how much compassion they have. So what we try to do every month here on The Mary Griffith Show and Vernon helped me out. Let's talk about how, what, what are the, you know, what, you've got all these great uh, people that you're standing on the shoulders of. Your, your uh, great-grandfather was a Buffalo soldier. Your grandfather was in the Tuskegee Airmen. You mentioned uh, your, your father, Vernon Davis I, was in the Vietnam War. Um, what, are, what can we say to those who are out there today that are listening to this? whether they're 22 or whether they're 82 and still kind of struggling with some of this. Well, what can I say? I'll be honest. Full disclosure, I still suffer from depression. I still suffer from anxieties. I still battle my demons every day. I know my demons by name. I know them by face. We play cards together. We play Xbox together. But... It's an ongoing battle, but it's a battle that you can win. And once I realized that life is like a storm, depression is like a storm, it's raining today, but rain don't last always. And with rain comes beautiful things like flowers and new life. And you've got to, I can't say you got to, I strongly recommend, I strongly hope, I pray that if you are dealing with any of these things, one, admit to yourself, I need some help. Two, talk to those closest to you and tell them, I need some help. Three, get the help. Four, let the help help you. Five, don't try to do it by yourself. That's what I can tell you. That pretty much said it all. Wow. Uh, it's been great uh, meeting you. I've heard a lot about you. I've seen you perform before. Uh-oh. Uh, you're very funny. It's a totally but different person, right? It is. But, you know, <laughs> that's the thing that is, that's the thing that I, I had somebody on uh, not more than a month mm-hmm. ago, and they mm-hmm. had planned their suicide and went to the place where they were going to kill themselves, and they saw this little shiny red thing, and they're like, I wonder what that is. Right when they're getting ready to pull the trigger. And it was a Gideon Children's Bible, and then, you know, the whole world changed wow. for them. So there is a light, and this is why it's so hard for really young people and teenagers. You're a mature man, and you still thought about doing this. Yes. It's very difficult for somebody who's 15, 16, 17 yes. years old, who's not a veteran, obviously, but suffering with what they think is the ultimate solution, and they're so quick to make that decision. Let me drop this nugget on them, those 15, 16s. I don't care if you're 15 or 82. 
You are the best you that we have, and we need you. Today, tomorrow, until God says it's time for you to come home. So we need you because we're not going to have another you. So whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you're thinking about, you are not the only one that's ever gone through it. You will not be the last one to go through it. And But you can get through it if you just grab that knot in the rope and hold on because tomorrow is a different day.